Hey friends, this is uh, Grisa Alves. Welcome to Tales of Recovery. I'm excited today because my guest, Lazarine Mendoza, who is an Afro-Puerto Rican bomba dance instructor, has an amazing story and we want you guys to hear it. So please help me welcome my friend Lazarine. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, our cousin, my cousin Alida is friend she told me a little bit about you and um, I'm really grateful that you were able to come and tell us um, just just your life what's what's happened since the beginning until right now so I was born in San Diego in 1972 um, to a um, Mexicano my father's Mexicano he was born in Tijuana and my mother's from Peru, Peruana, and um, but my father was not the typical Mexicano. He didn't really listen to banda, or I didn't even know what banda or corridos or any of that was. He was a very, they were like hippies, my mother and my oh, father. Nice. Um, so they always exposed us to a lot of different music, and, uh, but when I was two, we moved to San Francisco, to the Mission District. And um, uh, I went to school there, um, and everything was good. I have a sister. And, so um, you grew up kind of in the Mission? Yeah. Oh, no. I grew up in San Francisco. Yeah. Well, that's when it, art. when it was cool. It's very sad now oh. um, huh. going back to visit because it's really not. San Francisco anymore okay. um, but but yes yes I lived r right in the heart of the mission right in the heart of the mission so I grew up in I was very fortunate to witness a lot of the um, the root you know the root of the mission and 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 all the traditions and it San Francisco's a melting pot well was not too much anymore from what I'm hearing uh, it's a melting pot of all different races you had the Samoans the Colombians the Salvadoreños the Hondurans, um, you know, Mexicanos. Mm -hmm. Not many, not many though, from what I remember, but there was a lot of, la it was like a Latino place. Mm -hmm. um, my father used to teach theater in the mission uh, to homies. Oh, they were pachucos and pachucas. And when I was little, he used to take me with him when he would go teach uh, theater and um, so I always, like, would look at them, and I was just in awe of the women and the feathered hair. And, you know, they just had a class about them. They yeah. were very slick, very pretty, um, feminine, but tough. And I really liked it. As Even I was, like, about six or seven, eight, maybe. And I would, like, I, I kind of would, like, fantasize about it. Like, you know, and then the guys, they had their hair all nice and combed and... Anyways, um, so I grew up around a lot of that. And um, also my father was an activist. So he uh, he's also a musician. He does um, sculptures. Like he's just this uh, renaissance kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but he used to take me to the, uh, I remember he used to take me to, at that time there was a civil war going on in Nicaragua. 
And um, it was a, a, there was a dictator by the name of Somoza. And I remembered his name because I, when I was little, my father used to take me to the protests. Mm-hmm. And he would have me sing with him. He would play the guitar and he would teach me these um, activist songs in Spanish. And um, But the thing about it is my father and my mother never spoke to me in Spanish. So oh I didn't God. even learn Spanish for a very long time from that point. And I just learned it songs. in the street. Just the songs. Yeah. I was doing coro with my dad at eight, nine years old. Um, I, like I said, I had a, a, I have a brother and a sister and from uh, my father and my mother. And um, I'm the oldest. And, um, and then when I turned uh, probably maybe nine and a half, <clears throat> uh, the, a lot of problems started happening in our household. Uh, my father was is is this great man, but you know they had their issues. In um, being the oldest, I I was the one subjected to all of it, yeah. and I just soaked it in like a sponge. And um, it was really, 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 really heartbreaking for me because my father was my hero. And my mother it was is my mother. I mean, she's my my matriarch, or the, my matriarch, if you will. Um, so, I saw a lot of things. He wasn't um, physically abusive, but he was mentally abusive, and um, yeah, and I saw it all. And uh, my mom just broke one day. She just broke, and she left the house, and she was gone for like days, like three or four days. I had to take care of my brother and my sister while my father went to work. It was about, I think it was about, I was about almost, I think I was like close to 10 already. I was like nine or eight. Yeah, I was really young. Um, And my father was a bus driver, so he would have to go to work. But my grandmother, my mother's mother, lived like a few houses down from us in San Francisco. And during the day, I remember, and this is really, this is a very important part of my story because there are instances within my lifetime that I still remember that have, that have impacted me like immensely, like they're trauma, they were, they're traumas. And so, uh, we, uh, we found my mom days later uh, we, my grandma would like sneak in and put us in her car and we'd go looking for her all around the city. And we found her in Dolores Park and she was almost catatonic. She didn't even recognize me. And, um, but I kind of shook her out of it. I was just like pleading with her like, mom, it's me, mom, it's me. Mm-hmm. So we, cause she, we kind of, I kind of shook it out of her. But after that, my mother and my father split, they, they, they weren't. Uh, technically married, so they just split up. They didn't have a divorce or any of that stuff. We didn't go through court or any of that. Um, and my mother moved to San Diego because um, my grandparents um, owned a house. They owned two houses here in San Diego. So um, uh, so I we moved to San Diego, uh, but then like months later, um, my father came to visit us, and he was trying to like win my mother back. And it just, it didn't go the way he planned it to go. And it was a horrible, they had a horrible, horrible fright. Right here at Miller's Market, right here on 30th and oh, um, man, C. Great. Yeah. Because we lived right across the street from there, from on 30th and C in some apartments. Yeah. And um, 
they had a horrible, horrible fight. My father just packed me and my sister and my brother up in, in the car. And he, like, basically can't, like kind of kidnapped us oh. and was taking us to the airport with him to go back to San Francisco. But I, being the older one, pleaded with him and cried. And we went back to Miller's Market. And my mom was having a, a an attack because yeah. we had just been kidnapped. Yeah. And um, she, this is another, like, one of those moments that, that is very traumatic for me. Um, but they made us choose who we wanted to live with. Mm-hmm. And so I, I chose my father, so I went... Right there? Right then and there. Well, that's a big yeah. kick for a little kid. Yeah. Well, they gave me and my brother the option, because my brother's two years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. But my, my sister... She was obviously going to stay with my mom because she was, like, way too young. So me and my brother, well, me and my brother opted to go live with my father. And I and the reason why I wanted to go live with my father is because I, I was like, who's going to take care of my dad? Mm. And so I went back to um, San Francisco with my father. And um, on, during the summers, I would come visit my mother. And um, so I went to school there. And... Um, so around like I'd say like around twelve years old. Um, so my father, like I said, was a bus driver. He was gone a lot. Like I, for, by the time we would wake up to go to school, he'd be gone already. And by the time we would come back, he'd still be gone. He wouldn't come home till like seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of like on your own. Exactly. I was I was kind of the mother of the household, and uh, you know he taught me and my brother how to do our own laundry. Like we were very self sufficient at a very young age. Although I, I was the oldest, so I had to kind of be the mother to my brother. Um, but it gave me a lot, gave us a lot of free time without supervision. So we would hang out on the, you know, we were loving it. We would hang out on the on the block in San Francisco at that time was cracking. It was like, you know, there was older kids like drinking and smoking and hanging out on the street. It was a, it was, you know, it was a different time. It was a lot more free, a lot more open. And people could, like, drink beers on the corner or whatever and just shoot the shit and all that. But And I was already fascinated by the cholos and the cholas, you know, from earlier age. So I was like, ooh, you know what I mean? And I have all this time and I, I want to act older. And mm-hmm. I started, like, even looking at guys and stuff, older guys. But um, so at 12, um, I started uh, smoking weed. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I, I really don't even remember, like, what the epiphany was that I had when I first hit that joint. It wasn't even like that. I can't even remember, you know, <laughs> so long ago. And I've done so much since. So, I, I mean, I liked it. It was cool, you know. And then, um, and then when I was 13, I would hang around girls that were way older than I. They were, they were like, 17. And I was 13. By the time I was 13, I was hanging around with 17, 18-year-old women. And they were bangers. They were from, from they were Sureñas okay. in San Francisco, which is a kind of a rarity because San Francisco's all Norte, Norteños, you know what I mean? Um, but I never really knew the difference because I was friends with everybody. I was just always that friendly person and I, I wasn't your typical, you know, uh, 
solamente soy mexicana y que, and like, it wasn't, it wasn't like that at all. So I didn't even know what the difference was. So I, I hung around a group of Norteñas, and then I, hung, I would go in and hang around with a group of Sureñas. But all of them were older. Now, for those listeners that don't know, Norteñas and Sureñas were gangs. Right, okay. exactly. So the, so the northern, the, the Norteños, the Norteños, they're from the north of California. California. And the Sureños are from the Southern California, okay. L.A., um, San Diego, stuff like that. Um, so when I was 13, I started going to middle school. And um, mind you, my, my father, he used to smoke weed. And I used to see him smoking weed once in a while. But it wasn't a big deal to me. I thought it was kind of funny. You know, because he would forget my name, and he would call me Wascad. Wascad's my brother. And he would call Wascad Lazaren. Like, it was funny to me. So, I, you know, I, I don't think any of that had any bearing on my decisions of what I was yeah. doing when it came to, like, weed or drugs or whatever. Like, it was just it's funny to me anyways. So, yeah. anyway, so when I was 13, I met this girl at school at um, who would become my best, best friend. And she had an older sister, and they used to like party all the time. And it was just her and her older sister. And they used to take care of this little old man. And she, they lived like two, three blocks away from me. And um, she became my best, best, best friend. But they were pretty much on their own because they would take care of this old man. And they would live there while they were taking care of this old man. And her mother was a heroin addict. Mm. She lived in the Tenderloin. In San Francisco, the Tenderloin is like skid row. But but it, it was fun. It, it, it's kind of fun actually because you can't, it's a lot of stuff to see. But um, very entertaining. Yeah, kind of, kind of. I mean, it's kind of exhilarating when you're a young kid and you're like, "Ooh, I want to be on the bad side," yeah, and sure. it's crazy. It's attractive, you know. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so that that's when I started. We started doing like. Um, her older sister used to smoke. It's, it was called Leños back in the day. KJ's Killer Joints. And they, what they would do is they would put like a a line of angel dust. It was pure like dust. And they would put it on parsley. They didn't even want to mix it with weed because they wanted it straight. You know wow. what I mean? So they would put it on parsley and they roll it up. And, you know, it's like a joint, Killer Joints. So I, the first time I ever hit that was 13. And I, I can actually tell you the epiphany was awesome. I, like, I just fucking loved it. It was just. Relief. It was the bomb. Like, it, I just, whoa, I was in a whole different, um, in a whole different world, right. you know. Luckily, you know, I never died from it or anything because you don't really feel anything when you're on it. Like, you, you could, you, like, break your leg and you probably wouldn't feel it until much, much later. But, and, and, and now when I even talk about it, I would, I even think, like, oh, it would be nice to get high. Again, on that stuff. That was my favorite stuff ever. Um, but then, you know, you know, we would do a little coke here and there. And we were drinking a lot of wine. Um, and then we did a co acid a couple times in school. And you were like 13, 14. 13, 13. 14. Well, at 14, I got together with this older guy. He was 18. And... Um, uh, I was go already going to, I was like sneaking out of the house, 
you know, or I would tell my dad I'm going somewhere else, but I was really hanging out on the street with the, my Norteño friends and getting high and drinking and carrying on. Um, so my father, he, by that time, was had already got together with somebody else. He was with another woman. He got together with another woman. And, um, and my mother had gotten together with another man. He was a black man. Mm-hmm. Which was a big, I don't know why it was such a big deal for me. I think it was because my father all of a sudden got this racist tone to him because he was jealous because yeah. my mom was with somebody else and he was black. So he would say sometimes racist things and and I was actually pretty surprised because most of his friends were black. They were black Cubans, black Panamanians, things like that. Um, but he was just pissed off. Jealous. Yeah. Mm. So I I kind of fostered that that attitude, and so I wasn't very happy with my mother, mm-hmm. and then she got pregnant right away mm-hmm. with uh, my other brother, my brother, who I love dearly now, mm-hmm. um, and I grew to love my stepfather as well. He was um, he he was a Rasta Rasta man Rastafarian, mm-hmm. um, but anyways um, so. My father started to see that I was, he was losing control. Of you? Yeah. Let me ask you this real quick. When you're like with the Norteños, when people have an idea of, oh, they're in a gang, are you just mostly partying and hanging out? Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're out there doing drive-by shootings or... No, right? not yet. No. Oh. <laughs> no. Okay. No. <laughs> well... It was, well, at that point, I wasn't from a gang yet, you know? I was just oh, hanging out. Okay. I wasn't active. I wasn't doing what they were doing. I wasn't oh. going to other neighborhoods going, puro, this, this, and that. Okay. What's up? You know, I wasn't just like... Partying with them. I was just partying. Okay. Yeah, I was just kicking it, you know, having a good time. You know, I wasn't really claiming anything. It's when my parents separated and I, when my father kicked me out of he kicked me out of his okay. house so he caught me with the, this guy right we weren't do, having sex or anything but uh I, I got home really late and he had been looking for me and he happened to be walking up at the time the guy was dropping me off and he saw me kiss this guy and this guy's like obviously older has a like this nice ass low rider so yeah. you know I went dead <laughs> straight for the cholo of course you know um and I still talk to that guy once in a while. He's a friend of mine. Um, but my father was like, oh, hell no. Like, she's tripping. No. So he, <clears throat> long story short, he like, for the first time, he slapped the shit out of me. He had never done that before. He spanked us a couple times, but when we were little. And um, and I got scared and I ran away and then um, I went and stayed over there in the Tenderloin with my friend's mom and I saw a lot of crazy shit at that point. But I was also doing drugs so it didn't matter. Um, then like a week later I came back and my father had my bags packed, no questions asked. He was wow. like, you're out of here. And he took me to the airport the next day and I and shipped me back to San Diego. Back home to mom. And that's when it really got like deep. That's when I got into um, the. That's when I started claiming, and um, I was like fourteen. I was fourteen. I had just turned fourteen. So how did you start claiming? 
so I, I started going to school here. Well, I had already made friends with some girls mm-hmm. when I would come for the summers with my mom in San Diego, to San Diego. I had made some friends with some girls that I had used to, that I had went to school with when I was here in San Diego for school. When I, cause I stayed a couple of months for school. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, they had formed a clique. So it's right here in Golden Hills. It's called Lomas. Okay. And okay. Um, yeah, so the they they have the guy faction, and my friends had made themselves the girl faction, so they were like, "Well, what's up?" You know, I started partying with them and hanging out with them, and um, and at at that time they were doing PCP as well here, but it's in a different form. They did it. They what what they would do is liquefy it with other chemicals, and then you dip it with a cigarette, and then you smoke it. Yeah. Um, so, so... Oh, my friends and TJ would do that. Oh, really? Oh, wow. Um, so I loved it, and I went eat me automatically to that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, by that time, I was already dressing like a chola, like I had Pendleton's and um, uh, feathered hair and, and the cat eyes and all that stuff. Um, and then I got jumped in. But at that time, there was only four members of the girl faction so i didn't get it that bad <laughs> i got lucky <laughs> i have to go through no train getting hit you know I, we ended up doing that to others but um but i went full force with it i was all about it because they became my family yeah. they were my family my mom was engrossed with her new baby uh, who he has spina bifida. My brother has spina, oh. spina bifida, so she had to pay a lot of attention, oh. pure energy into him. And then my other brother, he's he ended up becoming schizophrenic. Mm. So um, she had a, she ended up taking care of him too because my dad shipped him back over too. So she was busy with her husband and all that, and I was I was resentful. I was pissed. I was still. I know now for after therapy and all this that I still suffer from them breaking up. It was a really devastating blow for me. Mm -hmm. So I went full force into gangbanging. And my husband now, he was from my neighborhood. I met my husband in fourth grade in San Diego. Mm -hmm. And he's also my homeboy from the neighborhood. And um, so we used to gangbang, and then at 14, I got, um, I was doing a lot of PCP, and I was doing, uh, by that time, I was doing crystal as well. Mm-hmm. Not so much. I didn't really like the high, because I didn't really like staying up for days, and then the come down was horrible. Yeah, and, and it just made me more depressed. And, and PCP was like, it only lasts for like eight hours and then it would go away. And then it, it was, you know, it's like I was normal again. So it was, it was wonderful. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I love PCP. I just don't, I just can't do it anymore, you know. Um, so I got shot when I was 14 when I was about to be, oh, no, I think I had just turned 15. And um, I ended up getting shot because we were, like, fighting with uh, Logan. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a long long story. And I'm actually writing about my life Good. in the gangs That's as awesome. a woman. 
Um, yeah. So we're I got I actually got together for pivotal women and it's kind of it's kind of gonna be like a short story poetry type book, but it's I can't about wait to read it. oh yeah we, we barely started but you know we have little meetings and stuff, and so that's it's all gonna be in there. So if you want to read about when I got shot, you'll read about it. Um, but yeah, that was a but that was a major moment because I got shot, I almost died. Um, and my, I actually got shot right here in my face. So if I would have ducked like two seconds, three seconds faster than I did, it would have hit me in the temple and I instantly would have died instantly. Mm -hmm. But because I was so loaded on PCP, I was slow moving. Mm -hmm. It was very interesting because the doctor told my mom, she, I don't know what she was on, but it had she like moved a little bit faster, she you, you wouldn't see her. She'd be dead. So I would always be like, oh, PCP saved my life because I was slow moving, you know, just justifying the usage yeah. of it. But anyways, shortly after that, I ended up going to, to jail, to juvenile hall. And, um, and then I went into my first rehab for a year. It was a year. And it was not, I was, it was unwilling, of course. Yeah. It was mandated. And it was called GRF, Girls Rehabilitation Facility, which was right next door to... Um, uh, Junaha, and so um, I met a lot of girls in there from Logan. And if anything, we kind of connected, probably not in the most rehabilitative way. <laughs> more connected. Yeah, I was like, "What's up?" You know, and um, and I did catch a lot of things out of it though, because there was particular people that would go and they made an impact on me it's, but this one woman would go and uh for a couple months she would she would do poetry with us she was a, this poet she was amazing and she had us read this book i'm sure you heard of it women who run with the wolves oh yeah virginia i was 15 and i was like trying to read that i was always an avid reader the reader though yeah so you know how deep that yeah, yeah that's quite quite a book quite a book it's a life-changing book, actually. Um, and it planted a seed within me as a woman because I really didn't know how to be a woman. I was acting like a girl the whole time, you know, a, a silly little girl. Yeah. Um, but she was, that woman was very interesting. She was a white woman. And um, she, I remember she had a a pentagram right here, but but she was a, she was a Wiccan. And I knew it because I knew about brujería and all that because my aunt used to do the cards, but it was called Mother Peace Cards. And that's another whole another story, too. My whole family, they consist of painters, um, poets, and, 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 and brujas, and just all kinds of awesome. stuff, yeah. Um, but she made a big impact on me, and she was like, you need to write your story, um, this is why you were in juvenile when I was in G you? GRF, the rehabilitation, and those are the things. There was those. That's, it's just an example of like the little minuscule, like the little like parts, exactly the little parts within the time that I was there that planted little seeds, mm -hmm. within me. Like, hey, it it's okay to be you, or, or it's okay to be clean and 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 just be you. Mm -hmm. So when I got out of there, I was clean for a while, like. Well, for a while, considering how short it could have been, but I was clean. I I, I got a job and and um, 
and then but then you know months later I started hanging out again with with the homies and we were drinking and 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 we would smoke weed and and we did you know pee yeah. when there was a and then that's when I met the the father of my daughters my three daughters I have twins and another girl from mm-hmm. this this gentleman and um it was he it was a very abusive relationship. He used to beat me up all the time, mm. and um, but I was so tough. Like I was like, shit, man, I'll just fight back, whatever. And but I know he loves me. I was very, very crazy. <laughs> I think I'm a little crazy even without drugs. But um, oh. so then I had my daughters. At that that was at sixteen. I met him, and then I got pregnant at seventeen. And I had twins, and um, and I was clean for that. I was completely clean for that. I wouldn't even drink Coke or Pepsi, or I I was like super clean. Like they were your babies. Yeah, they were my babies. And then my third, and then I got pregnant again two years later with my third daughter. Again, I was super clean throughout the whole pregnancy, and um, but I, you know then. I had my my third daughter, and I was just fed up of getting beat up all the time, and um and he was doing he was smoking crack at the he started smoking crack so I started smoking crack with him, mm-hmm. and um I didn't get like those crackheads like you see on the street that are selling diapers for for a hit or whatever it wasn't like that but it was pretty bad it was not good <laughs> you know, um. And I do have war stories like that. I've done some really bad things. Some, not, but you know, I've I've done some very risky, horrible, you know, not good things to myself because it was to myself yeah. that I was hurting. And um, anyway, so I ended up splitting up from him, maybe months, six, seven months after my third daughter was born, and um, and then I got together with my husband, who I'm married to now. The one from fourth grade, right? Right, yeah. Woody. That's his name, Woody. Basically, mm-hmm. it's always been Woody to me. And we got together, and then it was go time from there because he was my homeboy, and we were just like doing drugs together and having a good old time and partying because it was my homeboy. Yeah. So we would have like parties at my house, and um, you know, like of course, I would send the kids off. A lot with the, with the side of the family. Watching the kids. It was always they were always gone. Whenever we would throw like parties and stuff, they were always gone. My my grandmother was alive at the time, and she adored the twins. Mm. Like she wanted to like keep them. Yeah. So whenever I wanted them gone, I would just call her up and be like, "Can you come get them for days or whatever?" And she'd come get them. And then my daughter, my third daughter, her aunt, aunt like. Her second aunt loved her so much too, and so whenever I wanted her them her gone, I'd be like, send them off. You know what I mean? And you're like eighteen years old, nineteen. I was um so when I had my third daughter, I was twenty because my daughter's um two years younger than she is. Mm-hmm. I was twenty, and um, and so we would go on binges, and I wasn't working. I wasn't. I tr- had tried to go to school a couple times. It just didn't pan out because I was getting high. So I wouldn't wake up late to go to school and just 
And I was on welfare the whole time, doing nothing. And my mother and my father, well, my father was like, whatever, man. She's just like crazy. Like, well, she's just going to have to learn on her own. And my mother, she loved my kids so much. She just, I think she was just scared that I was going to keep them away from her. And so she never tried to discipline me, you know. And and I was not living with her. I was living off the government and in my own place right here in Golden Hills. But then I, so then, so me and Woody, we would go on crazy binges and we were doing everything. And um, he was even doing like heroin at the time, but he was snorted. I never, I never did, I never got into that. I, I tried it like three, I tried it one time and I was like, oh, I must have did this wrong because this shit don't feel good. It just, I'm throwing up. I don't like it. I think I did a little too much. Okay. So then I tried again, you know, because of course I probably did it wrong. And um, and I never shot it up. I always snorted it. Again, the same thing happened. I was like, oh, man, I keep, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. So let me just try it one more time. And I tried it one more time. I was like, no, this is the way it's supposed to be. And I don't like it. Yeah. I just didn't like it, which was very interesting because I'm a downer person. Yeah. I like down highs. Probably a good thing you didn't like Oh, I'm so glad. Well, I'm glad I never uh, slammed it. Because yeah. if I would have slammed it, I probably would have just... Yeah. yeah, I don't know what would have happened, yeah. but still, it didn't change my life. I just kept going crazy, and and then I got pregnant with my son, my beautiful son, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know I was pregnant for the first two months, so I was going crazy on drugs. Mm-hmm. I was doing all kinds of shit, like everything, and at that time, Woody was going in and out of jail. So I was really resenting him. I was really pissed off. He had cheated on me right before he went to jail, like, and he had never done anything like that. He was my son, like, he was my my dog, my boy. And um, so I was really hating him. And then he went to jail, and then I just went, like, balls out, and I was doing all this, all these drugs, and I was having my period, and so I didn't even know I was pregnant. And then I found out I was pregnant, and I was still doing drugs till like, three and a half months, probably. And I was so sad and depressed and upset and pissed off at the world. And, you know, um, by that time, the father of my daughter stole my twins. He was living in Washington and he was clean. And I was pregnant with my son and he called one day and he's like, I want to see the twins. Can you send them for Christmas? And I said, okay, he was in Washington. I was, I already had a lot to deal with anyway, so I... And I was like, but you're not taking Lisette, who's my third daughter. I was like, she's too small, and she'll just be sad without me. So I sent the the twins. And he kind of, like, their whole, his whole family and him conjured up this whole plan. And they filed for custody over there in Washington, knowing that I couldn't make it over there to Washington to fight for them. And I lost custody, custody of them. Oh, my God. And at that time, I was sad about that. But I just let it happen because I really couldn't do anything about it at that point. Like, so um, I was pretty upset when I was pregnant with my son Guillermo. But at four months, I stopped everything completely. And um, and um, but I when I was using, I was like justifying it because I was taking my pills on time. You know the. Um, prenatal pills I was eating good and stuff like that so I was like it's gonna be fine it's gonna be fine but then I realized like it wasn't gonna be fine it could might not be fine and I stopped doing drugs and um 
and it was good. It was, I was praying there. My, my family was helping me. I was clean. I was going to school. I started up school again, uh, for journalism. And then I had my son and Woody wasn't out yet. He wasn't even out yet. And, um, was he born okay? Oh yeah. Okay. Blonde hair, blue eye, beautiful little boy. Just amazing. It's amazing. Thank yeah. God or the creator or grandfather spirit, whoever. Mm-hmm. It was truly amazing with all the shit that I did when he was, when I was pregnant with him. So I thank the creator every day for that, for that. And uh, anyway, so after that, um, uh, I, you know, I was good for a couple months after I had him. I was the best that I had ever been. And then I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I I started getting high again and I started swinging crack and, um, it was just all such a blur. So when you did stay clean, were you like going to meetings or therapy? No, I hadn't even gotten into recovery yet. No, I didn't even, when I was in the girls rehabilitation facility, it wasn't, they didn't teach us steps or AA or NA. It wasn't anything like that. They called it rehabilitation because it was a different type of program than juvenile hall. It was more free. You could wear your own clothes. Okay. It was just, they, you know, they wanted, they, you went to school, you know, it was that, it was, you know what I mean? So it wasn't, it wasn't even like AA, NA geared. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. And, um, it, it, it was just very, all a, a big blur after I, you know, I, then I went to Arizona. I moved to Arizona with this guy and I took my daughter and my son with me and, um, he turned out to be abusive and he tried to like, he beat me up. And then the next day I came back to San Diego cause I wasn't about to put up with that. And, um, which is a, that's actually an interesting story in itself over there in Arizona. You can carry, um, a concealed weapon so I bought a gun and uh it was a nice little gun and I bought it just for like a show piece but when he hit me I was gonna shoot him with it but I couldn't find it because he had already he had already sold it because I think he knew he was it was gonna happen and I was gonna shoot his ass because he knew what I was about <laughs> and uh so thank god that's another yeah. thank god moment because I probably would have shot his ass I was like I'll shoot him in the kneecap you know Okay. He'll be incapacitated for a little while. It'll be yeah. fine. But, um, you know, it's crazy. Oh, no, man. I got stories. But, um, so then I moved back to San Diego, and um, I was still, at that point, I started getting heavily into crystal mm-hmm. because PCP was no longer available. You just couldn't get it anymore. Like, I don't know what happened. It's It was a sad time for me. <laughs> Um, so I went totally 180 in the bad way because PCP is like a downer and that is like completely the opposite, right? So I started smoking a lot of crystal and, um, I dropped out of school, you know, I didn't even finish school. I tried to go to welding school. I was going to be a ship fitter. I was like months away from, um, graduating and buku money making good money, and I fucked that up because I started doing crystal again. I just couldn't stay clean. Yeah. I, I did for like a month here, a month there. I just, I just couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. And so after that, um, at that point, I, I couldn't um, 
I couldn't sustain my my habit. So I got in, I, I made some connections and I uh, became very good friends with people that started, uh, that were slanging um, crystals. So not only was I using it, I was also selling it. So I became a, a dealer and a user. And um, it, it worked well for a while because I was making good money. And um, I was paying my bills and things like that. Um, and I was even working at the same time in Old Town. I was a waitress. So I was kind of like a functional user for a minute. Functional user, drug dealer. And um, I, you know, there were a lot of crazy things were happening at that time too. And at, at that time, I, me and Woody were back and forth. We were kind of like. Together, and at this time, together. you're like in your 20s? I am 26. You have four kids? I had four children. But I was in, with, in custody of two. Mm-hmm. Um, my ex had came back with my daughters and filed, um, immediately mm-hmm. filed for custody in California. And I, I lost that battle too because I was really out to lunch on drugs and mm-hmm. there was no denying it and I just couldn't fight it. I tried, but it just, I tried in one of my clean months and it just didn't work mm-hmm. because he had all these affidavits stating they had seen me slaying drugs, which they hadn't, but I really was doing that. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was right, that it, it was better. You know, I, I knew inside of me, my conscience and I think it was from one of those seeds that were planted in GRF when I was in GRF. I knew what was good and what was right, and you know, and I and I just knew it was best that they probably stayed with him, and that when they got older, they would understand what happened. I would tell them the story. Um, but that is also one of my main um, traumas that kept me going with drugs. Like I was guilty. I was feeling like a shitty ass mom. You know, um, anyways, so then, um, I was selling a lot of drugs and then finally I got together with this guy and he was a nutball. He was uh, some white guy, white and Sicilian guy and he was fun, <laughs> but, um, I kind of hit rock. That's when I hit rock bottom. Um, I didn't have anything anymore. I had been evicted. I was going house to house with my kids, trying to sell drugs. And um, I ended up fucking off that. And I ended up owing, owing the dealer, my country, my distributor. But he was a friend of mine. And he was like, listen, just get out. Yeah, just get out of it. Like, I'll let you go ahead with the debt. You could just not owe me, and but don't try and get in the game anymore. Like, this isn't you're not cut out for this. And that's that's what's interesting in my entire that entire time as a child growing up in the gang and in the game of selling drugs and all that. I always had little instances where people would tell me, What are you doing here? Like, you don't really belong in this. And like, this is not really you. Mm-hmm. Like they saw me for who I truly, truly was. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't for, they knew that I was not, it was strange that I was even there yeah. in that doing those things. And so, um, 
Then I moved back to my mother's because we didn't have anywhere to live. And um, it was really, really crazy. My mother just let me in. She ne- Again, my mother never said anything to me because I never really asked her for too much. So she really couldn't tell me anything. But then I moved to her house and she let, me, let us live there rent free. And I was slinging drugs out of her backyard in the middle of the night when she would be asleep. And then my sister started getting into, she was also already into drugs and stuff, but not the way I was. She was like trying to handle her business, get her life together and all that. But she ended up telling on me to my mom, telling her that I was getting high uh, and selling drugs. And and by this time, my mother's step, my mother's husband passed away in Peru. They went to a, a trip to Peru and he passed away in the Andes on the way to Machu Picchu, oh, wow. which was another big uh, deal. That was another um, traumatic, because I grew very close to him. We were very close to him. And um, so that was like two years before that he had passed away, and then I moved over there to her house. So she knew what I was doing, but she wasn't sure. Then she found out. I'm trying to like nutshell everything. So then she found out. She kicked me out. And she took my kids away. And she had never, ever, ever done that, ever. She was like, I'm keeping the kids. And I'm, and if you ever show your face back up here again, doing the sh- same shit that you're doing right now, I will call the cops, I will press charges on you, and you will go to jail, period. Like, I'll rat on you. Mm-hmm. Tell them everything. And she actually did that when I was young. That's how I ended up in, in Juneau, huh? Okay. Because um, she saw that I was out of control. And um, so I left, that day I left with the bang because I beat up my sister because I was mad at her because she went and told on me. And I was just out of my mind, completely out of my mind. And um, I left with this guy who wasn't shit, who it turned out not to be shit. He kind of left me in the streets by myself. And I found myself because he was, go- was going with some other girl. He was a big cheater and he would just treat me like shit and then he burned all my friends so I was I didn't have anywhere to go um so I ended up finding um myself completely alone and I had never ever 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 had that feeling ever in my life for once in my entire life because I've always had friends I'm, I'm pretty funny if I may say so myself and and so I always had like crowds around me. I'm I was always like trying to be the life of the party. So I was never alone ever. But so that you finally got to the meetings, or yeah, that's when I decided. Okay, yes, I'm the loneliest person in the world. I have nobody in, in the entire world. I spent the night in the cemetery, all dramatic and shit. Spent the night <laughs> in the cemetery, <laughs> right here on Imperial. I didn't even sleep. I just I, drove by there a couple of days. Oh, really? Okay, well, I snuck in there because I didn't have anywhere to go. Todo dramatica. Um, and, um, and I just was like, that's it. And I put myself into um, House of Metamorphosis. I don't know if you know where that's at. Well, I was only there for two months because I wasn't, first of all, I don't think I was really, really ready. Um, and then I got caught up with some guy because you're not supposed to fraternize with the guys in there. Mm-hmm. And then so, um, yeah, I, I got caught with some guy and we ended up drinking on an excursion or something. And I got kicked out of there. So then I went back to my mom's and she was like, oh, hell no. 
your ass can't come back over here. So then I went to my friend's house where she's this girl that I knew. I used to see when she'd be like, if you ever want to relapse, you know where to go. She would, cause she was slanging drugs at the time. So I went to her house and I stayed there for about a week and I was like, this is not the life I want to live anymore. The rehab told, totally fucked up my high. Just yeah. totally messed up my, yeah. my high entirely. I was like, this is not me. And even her, who had said I could go to her house to relapse, she was like, girl, you don't need to be doing this shit no more. I could see that you are not happy. There were just signs everywhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And That's so nice. I waited on a bed. I called Crash, and I... Kept calling them for day like three days until bed was open, and I went in to crash. All women, I did that on purpose because I had man issues, right. you know, and I needed to focus on myself. Mm-hmm. And um, and I went into crash, and 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 that's where I learned everything. Well, that's where I learned what I kind of knew already inside of me. Yeah. That's where it all came to light. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. That's where it all came to. When did you start dancing? So I so so I went to crash. I graduated crash. It's a four. It's a four month intensive, intensive rehabilitation (laughs) place because it's only four months. Then I got out of there, and then um, I went into a sober living, and I met my husband, my first husband, and um, and then we got together. We got married, and we had a child. We have we had a child, a son. And um, my son Philip and um, and I started dancing. I started taking a bomba class in two thousand and seven. I went into recovery in two thousand and one. I remember this because Y two K. Remember? Do you remember Y two K? The yeah. big Y two K two thousand. Yeah, my grand, my stepfather, like. He thought it was going to be over and he had like put all these rations together and stuff. And he was going to, you know, in case. And he died in, in 99. He died like a month before in November. He died on uh, November 3rd. Mm-hmm. Dia de los Muertos, actually, in, uh, in 1999. So, and I remember that it was 2001 because the next year after that, the following year, that's when I went into recovery. And so... Um, so the, recovery, you're going to meetings. I was go. I started going to meetings. Uh, I I was doing. I wasn't even into the steps too much yet. I had barely was getting like a sponsor. Um, I was squeaky clean. Like I didn't even. I didn't drink. I didn't smoke. I was barely trying. I was learning how to live life again. I I got a job. I was a manager at a thrift store, and um I and then we got together. I got together with my 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 husband, my first husband. And we were doing it together. He was in recovery together, and he um, he was a um, recovering heroin addict. Mm-hmm. As, and um, so we would go to meetings together all the time. The sober living that we were in, they it was a requirement anyways. Yeah. And they, you know, we used to check on each other all the time. Um, I, I'm crush saved my life. Yeah. Crushed in my life. And to be honest with you, that piece of shit that I was with before I went clean, he kind of saved my life too. Because he left me alone. And that's what I really needed to like shake it up. And then I was like, I'm 30. Like, this is ridiculous. What am I doing? Like, no. And so um, we got married and we were going to meetings. And um, I was even a secretary. And then... Um, At the meetings. 
secretary. I was the secretary of the meetings of it was um a north. I remember it was at the North Park uh, day a new afternoon in the park. Uh, do you know about those yeah. meetings? Yeah, I went there the big circle and um and I liked recovery. I I liked the meetings. Um, sometimes I didn't like it because I felt like. I felt like it was almost like some of those people that were there and they had a lot of clean time. I felt like they were kind of like, um, kind of like locusts sometimes. Like, I felt like they would kind of like, they were like, they would, some of them, not all of them, were like, I'm holier than thou type shit. And it just wasn't a positive thing. And, and so I had to do a lot of shifting of me, of meetings. Yeah. Until I uh, felt pretty much at home, and it was over there in um, East San Diego. They used to have a for it was actually at a home base crash, mm-hmm. and that's where I kind of like stayed right there. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so I was clean for like a, a squeaky clean for like almost two years. Um, very vigilant with the meetings. Um, I was barely uh, working on step three. I had a sponsor. Um, and I stayed really close to my sisters in recovery who from crash. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but then my husband relapsed. He relapsed on on uh, Crystal, which wasn't even his drug. Because yeah. uh, he had, had to get like two jobs. He overworked himself because he um, moved me into this big ass house. And it was a beautiful was house on Dale Street. Yeah. yeah, it was too much. And it just... It was too many life changes. Um, he ended up relapsing, and um, I stayed clean for a while, and then I ended up relapsing with him. And I, but and he was in and out of recovery. He was in and out of rehabs, yeah. and I kept drinking. I wasn't drinking like like crazy. I I I by that time I was a legal assistant already. I worked for an attorney, an immigration attorney, yeah. and um, uh, he was in and out of just doing heavy drugs and he ended up passing away. He OD'd, um, accidentally OD'd, um, in his sleep, uh, in two, in 2008. Mm -hmm. I started going to, I started going to bomba class in, um, in, uh, uh, 2007. Um, I started going in September 2007, and from the first time I took the first class, I knew that that's what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. Mind you, I wasn't, I'm not squeaky clean anymore. I, you know, sometimes I drink um, and then I'll smoke weed once in a while, mm-hmm. but I don't do anything else. And, um, but and the dancing, the creativity, it, the, the art, the movement. It's you. filling, it fills my, my void, the yeah. emptiness that I had. And it just changed my like entire it's life. It's a spiritual thing. Dancing is like this very vulnerable, very creative um it's like it's this magical thing when you dance, right? It's like you're not even on earth yeah. for me. It's like a, it could, yeah, it could be like a trance. It yeah. It's like phew, something's happening and then you're back. Yeah. Yeah. And bomba is a lot like that because you're kind of do it's, it's, uh, it's in, um, improvisation. You know, you, you. Where's bomba from? So it's from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. It's yeah. Afro Puerto Rican. It's, um, uh, it's it's the one of the old, I think it is the oldest um, genre of music from Puerto Rico. Okay. So it came from the Indians, uh, the Taínos in in Puerto Rico. Okay. 
And I'm not even Puerto Rican, but I just love it. It's just, I knew that that was what I needed, what I needed in my life. And then, so when my husband passed away, he passed away in 2008, today, as a matter of fact, 10 years ago, today. And, um, and I could have went crazy. When he passed away, I, I thought about doing drugs. I thought about just going crazy. But something inside of me just wouldn't let me do it anymore. It just wouldn't let me go there. I had a, And then I had a, a five-year-old. He was five at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I just couldn't let him down. I just couldn't do it anymore. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And Bomba played a big part of it. After my husband passed away, I didn't go to classes for a couple of weeks and then the my comadre, who is now she's now my comadre, but she was my teacher, my instructor. She came to visit me, and she told me I was thinking about Bomba. And I was thinking about how Bomba came from a place of struggle, mm-hmm. and 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 it was used to, as healing. And I think that you would really benefit coming back to it, and you know, and I just wanted you to know that. And I thought that was awesome because she was like this. I had her on this pedestal, you know, because she's. I was like, I want to be just like her. I want to dance just like her. And and I always say that Bomba saved my life. To be honest with you. Yeah. And now I teach it. It's like a warrior dance. It is. It it is totally a war. You should come and take my class. I'm going to. Okay, yeah. exciting. <laughs> I love you teaching. Teach, you teach I teach at the Centro at um on Saturdays at uh at twelve. And where is the Centro at? The, the Centro Cultural de la Raza. Okay. okay. Yeah. Right here in, in uh, Balboa Park. Park. Yeah. Centro Cultural de la Raza Saturdays at. At 12. 12 yeah, yeah, we're on a summer break right now. We're going to start in mid-August. Okay. But my comadre, she's coming back. So we're going to rotate classes. But still, like, I totally, totally encourage any woman and man. I would love to have men in my class. And I just never show up. <laughs> you men out there, if you're interested, come on out. I really love to teach men. They're the best. I love the man yeah, style. Yeah. the best. Um, and oh. so now... You know, during all that, after my husband passed away, I, I was already back in touch with Woody, my husband now, because my, my son wanted to have a relationship with him, and he was he was in jail. He, he was about to be deported, so he got deported, mm-hmm. and then we ended up reconciling, and then I moved over there to Tijuana. Mm-hmm. So now I live in Tijuana. I love Tijuana, by the way. I will never yeah. leave there, yeah. ever. It's great. That's where I grew up. I love it. Lots of you great you guys music. you guys grew up where where in Tijuana by um the where the hippodrome is yeah 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 yeah, yeah. isn't that Chapultepec no 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 that was a fancy one it was oh. next to that <laughs> oh okay. yeah, it was nice it was a uh, Lomas Aguacaliente oh okay okay I'm in Ruby yeah I love TJ I'll never leave it never I think I will probably die there and I think if I didn't have to come over here. I would not come over here, but Bomba keeps me here, right. and um, and work of course. But I'm I'm thinking of starting a Bomba class over there in Tijuana too. That'd be great. I think the women would love it actually, yeah. with yeah. the with the dresses and all that. Yeah. So, I'm definitely gonna go to your class. You yeah. should definitely do that. I, I yeah, bring friends. It's, it's it's a nice little workout, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not easy though. And I, yeah, but I love the fact that it's like this warrior dance, and that you have so many. 
you know, experiences in life and recovery and this and all these seeds planted, but it's not until you get to the movement of the body and you kind of embody and so the spirit comes alive and mm. you're like, this is what I've mm. been missing all along because we don't yes. realize the magnificence of, of kind of like the incarnation or whatever. You know, like we're in these bodies and we get to move. Well, you connect with yourself. Yeah. And you connect with the vibration of the music of the, uh, I always say, this is what I always say, and I'm going to get this tattooed on me, actually. I always say, um, um, my skirt is my story and the barril is my heartbeat because yeah. the barril is the drum that yeah. they use. So yeah. I, I, that's exactly, I mean, that's the way I could define it for me. Like it's, it's I just yeah. love it. Mm -hmm. yeah. I thank God for it. Cool. And I am writing my book, yes. Yay. It's gonna be called um In the Heart of uh, The Heart of a Chola. The Heart of a Chola. Short stories. This is so oh. badass. I'm so excited. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, this is exciting. I'm pretty excited. So cool. It's work though, man, because I ain't got time for nothing. Yeah, well. But you know, I think when you're when you're creating and you're working on something that's like it's your passion and you want to share it, then it's not tedious work like I don't know, like work, like, yeah, <laughs> like, like my job, work. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming and sharing. Sure, I hope I wasn't too boring. No. I was trying to like throw everything in a nutshell, but I didn't know oh, where to go, great. what to do. Oh, I love Perfect. it. Perfect. Yeah, we'll come to your dance lessons. On, I'll put it on the on the comments. Um, okay. The time and Centro Cultural de la Raza, and thank you. Lazarin Mendoza. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes. Thank you guys for joining us for Tales of Recovery. We'll see you next time.